The Longbox Crusade presents Fan Bill Fridays. another fan film friday i'm your host clinton robison believe it or not it's starting to be spring cleaning time here at longbox crusade hq and what does that mean for me well mostly just more stuff getting tossed down here in the basement instead of jim pat actually finding places to store their stuff i'd heard a rumor okay i was eavesdropping sue me that some listeners might be dropping by to help with the actual cleaning portion uh, hey wait 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 what's that noise Holy cow, it's professional podcrasher Tim Price. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's me. Uh, did you seriously just crash through one, two, three, uh, basically all the floors of the LBC HQ? Uh, um, yeah, yeah, I did. That is one big hole. Yeah, thanks. And, uh, hey, don't help me up or anything. Oh, right. Um,. Yeah, well, uh, judging by that hole, I'm guessing two things. One, you take your pod crashing quite literally. And two, now we're both down here for a while. Um, we're what now? Uh, the guys will totally leave you down here for a while as punishment, Mitch. What? Look, I come by for a friendly visit, and now I'm stuck here thanks to subpar construction? Calm down. It's probably only for long enough to do an episode of Fan Film Fridays. Uh, oh. Uh, right. We could do that. Uh, or, or, I could just pay for the repairs? No way, Tim. You did the crime. You gotta do the time. You stay down there with Clinton until you learn your lesson. Told you. So, um, Tim, any experience with fan films? Oh, uh, well, since I'm stuck here for a while, I guess I might as well. Uh, uh let me think. Actually, yeah, I, but it's been a long time. It's been a long time. I just watched a couple back in um some of the early days of that uh on the on the YouTubes uh like I think like everybody saw uh the Batman fan film that had the predator and the aliens in it was that Batman Dead End is that was it uh-huh. okay. yeah that's dead end yeah so I yeah I definitely saw that one um more recently I did get into uh the fa- it was a, it was probably going to be more of a web series than a fan film um of Batgirl Spoiled. So I did check out that one a little bit. Uh, I don't think they ever finished the series on that, but that was a fun little thing. Um, and I'm trying to remember what else. Well, you know, of course, there's the classics of like Troops, uh, the, the Star Wars um, parody ones. So those were fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't, not so much, not so much fan films, I think, in recently, just, but uh, the occasional web series that was 
you know, parodies or spoofs of things like that, like Space Janitors. That was a, you know, a, a Star Wars riff, but also had riffs on plenty of other things in there. Um, and gosh, I guess, if, you know, I would really kind of even count um, the, those very famous YouTube hits like uh, How It Should Have Ended. That's I, w- I would call that a fan film personally. Uh, they just do a they do a whole bunch of them, but they ca- I think they really qualify. Um, and and honest trailers that kind of you know <laughs> you, if you if you want to call if if you when you look at them I think they kind of they kind of fit they don't they're not as but those are like probably too broad for things you would be covering in this show. Uh, but I've seen plenty of those. Okay, and uh, do you have any experience with Spider Man? Well, let me think. Um, he's the 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 guy. Who has the things and he does the things? He's at comic book, right? <laughs> has he been into comic books? <laughs> oh, that's right. Like that. Oh, that's right. Because I have um, uh, five long boxes full of his comic books. Now that I think about it, <laughs> not, <laughs> not short boxes, long boxes, um, at least. So yeah, Spider Man, uh, introduced in 1962, Marvel Comics, Peter Parker. Uh, bitten by a radioactive spider, gets spider-like powers, uh, finds out with great power comes great responsibility because not uh, preventing a criminal from killing his Uncle Ben and wears a costume, fights crime, uh, tries to keep his Aunt May from having a heart attack, uh, takes pictures of himself. That guy? Yeah, that guy. Okay, yeah. Uh, and so he's been obviously a big character and like the number one seller for Marvel Comics forever. Uh, and obviously inspired lots of animation and cartoons. I mean, I my first exposure to him was probably reruns of the 1967 cartoon back when I was a kid in this in the early 70s. Um, but yeah, I mean, his comic book has has passed the the Amazing Spider-Man has definitely passed like the 800 issue mark a while ago. I don't have all 800 issues. I might have 600 issues, but that's. <laughs> uh, and all sorts of other related comic book series, um, and the video games, movies, he's all over the place. Oh, but that's interesting when we talk about the fan films, because I haven't watched this series yet, but I watched the documentary just last week about the Japanese Spider-Man TV show. Do you know anything <laughs> about that? I love the Japanese Spider-Man TV show. Oh, I, I, I really do want to watch that. When I was seeing them talk about it, it's like I was having such delightful flashbacks to the Japanese TV shows that I remember as a kid, uh, like Ultraman, uh, and, you know, the live action ones where, you know, they, which, which predated what they did for, um, Power Rangers. They predated, but they're the same style, the same kinds of things. And it was really fascinating watching the, um, uh, the documentary, because they a lot of things they hinted at there were perhaps groundbreaking in that TV show. For example, he had the the vehicle that transformed into the giant robot. That was apparently a first in that show. So that predates Transformers. That predates what the Power Rangers did. It, that was I was I was stunned. Um, but watching that 
watching their clips of it and seeing um, how that compared to the American Spider-Man TV live action TV show, <laughs> ah, which I also did watch because, hey, that was all we had, people. <laughs> that was all we and we was and we were damn glad we had it too <laughs> but it's like oh it did make me yearn for the fact that when i was watching that show that man spider-man is just not going to look good on the big screen live action until we can somehow meld animation with live action uh which with cgi and the you know the the first big screen spider-man movie they actually started doing so I kind of think I called it, um, uh, but and but then seeing you know the clips of the Japanese show, it's like the how they handled the fights and the choreography there. It's like you know it's not quite up to speed of being what I would want to see uh, in what I think they, they that they could do with live action Spider Man. But it was pretty darn close. That was really much closer to what I'd like for seeing Spider Man live action than um, than the than the American show. So I definitely have to check that out. Good. Well, for those who haven't already looked at the episode title and show notes, today's film is titled Spider-Man Eclipse. And believe it or not, this one was brought to my attention a while ago by our very own Jared Albrecht. You're welcome! Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Spider-Man Eclipse is a fan film posted to YouTube by IGN Games way back in July of 2012. Yeesh! film itself is by Bokeh Pictures. B-O-K-E-H, I guess that's how you'd say it. Sounds right. And it currently boasts right around 678,000. The director, writer, and editor were all Al White. Spider-Man slash Peter Parker is played by Alexander Chard. Mary Jane is played by Allison Lyons. Stunts and wall-flipping awesomeness, their words, not mine, (laughs) were done by Chase Armitage. We highly encourage you to pause here, check out the show notes for the link to the film, and watch it before listening further. With a runtime under 10 minutes, I highly doubt it will eat up too much of your day before, you know, you get bored or anything. Plus, it will definitely help you be on the same page as Tim and I. Not that we are super geniuses. Well, Tim probably is. Yeah, could But be. it will at least, you know, make everything we're about to say make a ton more sense. Because we will spoil the heck out of this film. Just take a few minutes, watch the film, and come right back. back good spider-man has been captured and the road out won't be easy peter wakes up in some sort of well torture room his arms are chained to the ceiling he's been beaten and drugged and unmasked as one of his captors comes to check on him spidey musters enough strength to snap his chains and knock the masked man unconscious peter takes his spider mask and leaves spidey fights his way through members of the hand 
ducks into an alley, and grabs a coat from a clothesline to help disguise himself. Too bad for Peter that more hand goons kind of will show up and find him, because that's how all these chase scenes sort of work. <laughs> Another great scene of running, leaping, and fighting later, Peter defeats the goons, but doesn't escape unscathed. He's definitely hurting, and it shows, folks. He makes his way back home, collapsing in front of his apartment door. Luckily, Mary Jane is home and brings him inside. A while later, Peter wakes up and explains what happened to MJ, letting the audience know that Norman Osborn set up an explosion and hired the hand to kidnap Spider-Man. On the TV, a news report states that the space shuttle carrying John Jameson and crew has apparently broken up upon re-entry and the debris is hurtling toward Manhattan. The Avengers are reported as absent, so a large portion of the responsibility falls to Spider-Man. Even though he's badly injured, Peter grabs his mask and swings into action. And that, more or less, is Spider-Man Eclipse. So, Tim, what did you think of this film? I really thought it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, the action sequences were very acrobatic and, you know, um, like the Hong Kong kung fu movie style fighting sequences happening uh, very nice choreography for it um and it it has like one of the tropes that i kind of think of for fan films is the non-ending ending the to be continued but it won't actually ever be really continued uh conclusion where you don't really because like eh, it's not really th that's it's part of the it's not really like deliberate but it's like yeah, they don't have the budget to actually make this a thing they're just doing it for fun and uh, that uh, so I, I wasn't too surprised by that, um, but I had a great time with that with this film. Yeah, I mean, especially with the uh, non-continued or whatever you know, the to be continued but won't be continued ending. This mm -hmm. really felt like picking up a random issue of Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Like you came in on the last part of a four-part story, and it's setting itself up for the next big event or mm -hmm. or something. You know, it's like okay, come back next. Next month to see Spider-Man save Manhattan from a, a falling shuttle. And John Jameson's probably got something on that shuttle that will totally screw up Peter's life. <laughs> oh, he's yeah, he's brought back that uh, moon rock. That's what made the shuttle blow up in the first place. And so he's going to be fighting the man-wolf in the <laughs> following episode. What did you think of the costumes? Well, first we got to talk about Spidey's costume itself. Um, yes. That's, that's obviously the number one thing. And... Um, it's a it's not a typical take on the costume, but I thought it really worked. It really does look like um, uh, like a, a, a tight sweater that's been colored and has like stitching on the back of it to make the spider. And it's been like the, the webbing is like drawn on it. It really does look like it's something that someone could have actually made, which is one of those dilemmas with how Peter ever made his costume in the comic books. It's like, mm. how could he's really that good of, at sewing? The, the home ec classes back in the sixties must have been top notch because I took home ec and when I was in, in, in when junior high and I couldn't sew like that. So, but I really thought this kind of gave it an, an interesting, little thing is that on the one hand it's like yes it's a fan film so it doesn't look as sleek as you would see it in a in a high big budget movie but on the flip side i think that works for peter parker as a character so i you know i i don't think that necessarily they're going for that but i don't care i was going to be a nerd and read more into it than it's actually there anyhow <laughs> um and like the the 
mask itself looks like a ski mask, really, with just a couple of the glass reflective eyepieces for his spider eyes. Um, and it's like, yeah, that thing's going to be pretty hot in, this, in that New York summer. But, you know, but Spider-Man can handle that. And then he shouldn't be catching colds in the winter when he goes swinging through the city like he does in the comic books with that mask on. <laughs> he should be just fine. But I really did think that the costume worked. And, and, and intentionally or unintentionally, I thought it really was a, a, a good touch on it. What did you think of his costume? I really dug it. Um, you know, like you said, it, it has that net look. And it, it gives a more believable, um, I guess, fair some what everybody would. Wow! Look at really? you. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, I gotta look. I got. I got Google that. Hold on. Vera Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean, it's it just it just brings a little bit of believability to it, even if it's not the Spider-Man look that we're necessarily used to. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look bad. Looks kind of weird when he always has the jacket on over it and still wears a Spider-Man mask. But, <laughs> but that, and I, I'll say though, that for that moment, that is so comic book Spider-Man. <laughs> I mean, doesn't every superhero at some point or another you know, walk down the street wearing the Ben Grimm big old uh, overcoat and fedora to, as a, as a disguise. Uh, and he, because he's in that moment, as we're talking about, this is after he's gotten away from the fights and he's just trying to get home, but he's struggling because he's been hurt really bad. So, uh, but he's trying not to. So it's an oddly trying to not draw attention to yourself by wearing the most uh, cliche attention grabbing outfit there is in comic books. <laughs> but, I, you know, so I, I think it, I thought it worked in the moment, though, because like, hey, he sees the spider. Someone sees the Spider-Man costume uh, through the overcoat. It's like he still doesn't want them to see his face I, mm-hmm. um, or to see how bad his face is messed up. So it's kind of like I, I, I bought it. I bought it. And also just as a right as a comic reader, I bought it from that perspective. Plus, it's New York. They're not going to really care if somebody's wearing a Spider-Man costume and a jacket. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if he's if he's staggering down the street, they're just like, ugh, druggy. So they're gonna <laughs> just I don't want to get involved. <laughs> just keep on go just keep on walking, honey. Just keep on walking. But as far as costumes, we have to talk about the hand. Mm. I'm not quite so thrilled with those. I would have to agree. I've I did they, they, they didn't really do anything for me one way or the other. It was just like, okay, yeah, it's it's they're they're just generic looking hoodies uh with jeans uh it it didn't there was nothing really about them that made them stand out they're just uh yeah i mean they have that mask but that mm-hmm. was yeah you know then again you know you and i were used to the hand being very cliche ninja types mm-hmm. right not not necessarily you know the the foot clan from the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> well, and again, we can see that this is like a, um, I'll call I'll call this like a gritty sort of thing, and the cost like Spider Man's costume seems very gritty. It's lived in. It's you know, it has some it, it it by its very nature it looks textured because it is textured. It's sort of like real clothes that that he's turned into a Spider Man costume. And again, these are like real clothes that these people are wearing. The the hand guys are wearing to fit in because they're in New York City. And they know they're not going to just walk around wearing red, uh, puffy 
ninja robes or you know bargain basement jedi outfits it's like no they've <laughs> they've 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 got they're wearing things that people would wear on the street because they actually have to like blend into the street to a degree and it's like eh it was so it's it, it fit with the tone of the film it just didn't wow me one way or the other it's like okay sure i would not have known that they were the hand until we hear peter later say that they were the hand right i, I there was no there was no correlation between the two and it's like you know unless you're a, a you know except for you know comic book reading people like us the average viewer of this film wouldn't know who the hand are anyway yeah i mean i would have just been content for them to just be goons mm-hmm. oh i don't I, I didn't mind it one way or the other it's fine that they were, it's fine that they were called the hand because at least they gave them mm-hmm. some they gave them uh an explanation for them to be more martial arty you know they're they're goon yeah. they're martial art they're martial arts goons mm-hmm Martial arts uh, uh, cannon fodder. That's what the hand is always supposed to be. <laughs> and of course, you know, you know, we can't ignore Mary Jane. But yeah, she's the only. Up- it's it's a you know as we've uh, talked as you talk about the cast, it's like yeah, there's really not much cast to this film. So that Mary Jane is the only other character, and really the only one who has lines besides <laughs> besides Peter and mm-hmm. the faceless announcer. Um, so we don't see we don't see who does we don't see the the character the the actress who does the the announcements but yeah it's just like Peter and Mary Jane are it for in terms of dialogue um and yeah she's just uh she's just wearing out say contemporary clothing from the time for someone mm-hmm. who's in her 20s it's it seemed about what I would expect for that um and it's cute you know she's got the the jeans that got the the self worn look of you know, cutting out the so that you see the stitching underneath them in this in the thighs and the legs. It's like you know, and yeah, it's so yeah. She looks. I, th- I think she looks good. What do you think about her outfit? Uh, it looks like it came out of some of those Mary Jane pinups they used to do around mm. that time. <laughs> I I could kind of see that. I was kind of looking at it, going like, hmm. I've seen those also those pinups where they have uh where she'll wear a t shirt that has uh the the Spider Man face icon on the chest uh, it doesn't have that because <laughs> that mm-hmm. that'd be bridge too far it said it's like uh it's a it's a it's a girl t-shirt that has like an american flag with the stripes coming down uh so it's an up down american flag uh so it's like you know it's that's cute it's it's fine okay what do you think of the actress performances on this well um i'll start we'll keep on going with mary jane for a minute um for someone who didn't have a whole lot uh to whole lot of scene she just had the 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 end scene um and her handful lines there but like she was the one who had all as much if not more dialogue than peter um she did really well uh i thought she did a great uh very believable job of being mary jane where she has to balance concern for the state he's in when he's come home because he is bloodied he's got a big old shiner on his forehead he's got a cut lip he's been stabbed in his side um which was a brutal moment in the fight scenes by the way we'll come back to that um but that was probably what made him almost pass out trying to get home was because he was bleeding from that side wound that happened after he got out of his uh out of the uh, torture room um and so she's like, but she has to balance that concern about all of that with the fact that, oh, I've seen this so many times. So she's almost like nonplussed. She's like, again, well, I know the routine. 
and she goes and makes his big old bowl of ramen <laughs> and so for him to for him to for him to suck down and it's talking about well we're gonna have to let aunt may know that we can't make it to dinner uh well you'll well i know you'll be disappointed to miss her world famous meatloaf <laughs> <laughs> to which peter looks up and whispers thank you god it's like <laughs> and that, that was like they went ho ho wait 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 there is no peter dissing aunt may's cooking i'm sorry that was one thing that in terms i just played it to the writing that's not the actress performance <laughs> it's like the writing of the scenes like no 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 that's <laughs> peter would never there's not a thing that aunt may makes that he doesn't like i'm that's, i just don't buy that for a second but I really did uh, enjoy her performance. Uh, I thought she did a good job. As she had a good look. Her they they cast an actress who really looked good for the part. Um, so she was. I I thought she was a good presence there. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have to agree pretty much on all that. Especially given her lines and her performance, mm-hmm. she's definitely in control of that scene. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, like she, I was gonna say she carries the second half of that movie, that film, mm-hmm. but. Uh, a, you know, it's not the second half. It's more like the <laughs> last ten percent. But, mm-hmm. but still, yeah. I mean, she. I, I don't know what else I could say that hasn't been said. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We're look, look, looking at um, our actor who played Peter. Um, I really liked how he delivered the quips. He did a really uh, Alexander. He did a really good job of making the little smart, smart comments that uh, Spider Man would be saying. Uh, Come on, guy. I'm going to be late for my date. <laughs> He's trying to wait for this fight to start up again. Um, and I, yeah. Now, I will admit that he doesn't look like how I picture Peter. Yeah. He is, it's really hard to kind of see his parallel to just about anything that I've, not, not being wedded even to the original Ditko 616 version of Peter that we talk about. It was just like, you know, looking at Ultimate Spider-Man's Peter. Uh, or other other versions that we've seen in Spider-Verse. It's like, eh, it's just an atypical Peter. But what I just thought of is that, um, and I hope this is, I hope this isn't coming across in the wrong way. It's, but he, he does have a look that reminds me of Miguel O'Hara from Spider-Man 2099. Okay. And it's like, but also I'm very happy. It's not like I'm wedded to like, Peter has to look a particular way. It's not like that. It's like more just how he carried himself and how he, um, uh, came across he was a little cockier as peter than i than i imagine i imagine mm-hmm. he he has to put on the show of being cocky when he's spider-man but when he's peter he needs to be a bit more insecure and and nerdy and i don't think he quite was nerdy enough in the scenes with mary jane but i mean what did you think about that did you think that he was carrying off the part well uh it, i mean it kind of seemed like peter and spider-man the same person you know mm. And I mean that I know people are gonna be like, well, of course you do me, but you know, I mean, like it, it was the same performance whether he had mm-hmm. the mask on or off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could. That's that's, that's what I. That's exactly what I'm kind of thinking too. Is that it's it's not quite coming across as um, a diff. It's just not coming across as a different character. It just isn't. Uh, but that's okay. That's mm-hmm. a, not that that's bad. It's just that's that's what they were going for. Um, well, and I'll, uh, and I'll also then kind of going to just the lines. I mean, some favorite lines I had there um, from him is like um, when the the two hand goons are, are about to attack him in an alley. He says, fellas, come on. I know I'm adorable, but I'm not looking for anything serious. 
that was that was the that's his last really good quip. After that, his dialogue is with Mary Jane, and there it's a bit more serious. I did really like though uh, the look he gives whenever um, the the news report is going, and mm. you know it just it, it's instantly nope hero mode. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. It's like mm-hmm. stuff's going down. I, I got to deal with it. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, were there any particular highs, lows, or what does for you on this? Gosh, I probably covered too many of them already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the the big high has got to be the fighting scene, the fighting choreography and the fighting scenes. They were really very well done. Um, I mean, I, my, I have enough of a Taekwondo martial arts background that I can kind of watch them and see particular things that I would recognize. And the stuntman who does um, the, the Spider-Man work was really at top notch um, because some, I, I know how hard some of those things are to do. Uh, like when he's in the very first fight one-on-one in what you call the torture room and he does a jump 540 degree spin kick to knock the guy out. It's like, I know he doesn't actually hit the guy because the other actor is doing a great, the other spot man is doing a great job of just not getting hit, <laughs> but making it look like he got hit. It's like, that was a beautiful move. So that was really great. Um, but, and, but that, and that court carried over to all the fight scenes. Um, so that was, that was a really big high. What, what highs did you have? Uh, I mean, pretty much everything we've already discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to highlight just one more high. Um, I think I'll go with uh, just that ending scene where he leaps off the top of the building and starts swinging toward the danger. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's pretty much your iconic Spider-Man scene right there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'd agree with that. I, mean, I don't know that I had any actual lows. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, this is it's hard to find some lows in a 10-minute film. But, right. I mean, this was done really well did you have any lows at all or hmm yeah i'm trying to think um now well i guess i guess we were going to say it it's the the main low is just the uh the hands costumes they're just like Mm. yeah that's just not it was not very impressive and it's like yeah we wouldn't have really known they were the hand but they covered it and that also did lead to a, a good line from i forgot about this line um where peter says where he's talking about that Osborne's hiring, importing hand as henchman, Matt's going to be jealous. Uh-huh. So it's like, yeah, that, that's a good, mm-hmm. good little wink and a nod. Yeah. They did several, they did several things. Just there was name drops or, or Easter eggs for those of us who are longtime Spider-Man readers like the, um, Oh, Fooey, what's her name? Uh, Nora Winters was listed as the reporter covering the, CCN news broadcast about John Jameson's shuttle. Um, and she's one of the more recent additions to the Daily Bugle who um, eventually got let go for not being uh, very ethical. And she's now founded a new website called Threats and Menaces. And, <laughs> and she recruited J. Jonah Jameson post his mayoral run, uh, mayoral can- uh, uh, tenure to be on her on her uh, staff because he's like the originator of uh, clickbait journalism. So, <laughs> so it's like I, 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 I it was f- interesting to see because I for I did not really remember that Nora had been introduced long enough ago to be on this uh, to be in this uh, uh, fan film. It's like, man, yeah, she has been around for a while. And, yeah, but I know she's one of the less. She would not be one of the 
better known ones unless you've been reading comic reading, reading Spider-Man a lot in the last uh, uh, 15 years. So I did like that. Okay, uh, I had a single what this. Okay. And it's just a nitpicky what the, but mm-hmm. when Peter swings down into the alley, mm. from you know, his webbing, you can definitely tell, is a, a rope because of the way it swings back and forth right. <laughs> after he lets go. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, the, of, of all the times for it to just catch a little bit of a breeze. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. That's That was a, that was a little bit funny. And it kind of you know, it kind of takes you out of the moment if you're looking at that. If you're looking at Peter, you know, it, it's not so bad. Mm-hmm. You can just kind of chalk it up to, yeah, you know, webbing. Mm-hmm. Yep, I get you. That's a that's a pretty that's a, a solid what the I I do I don't blame you one bit. Um, it did not it they did have other things where they put in some web effects that looked a little bit better than that one. So I got I got I understand completely on that one. Uh, I do have and I guess my what the is also kind of part of the um, little name-dropping thing that they said with the, the shuttle coming and about to crash into central Manhattan. They uh, The news report says, with the Avengers still absent. What does still absent mean? <laughs> How, have they been gone a while? What storyline is that? Is that about? So it's like, okay, we don't have the Avengers? Uh, and... and they're not, and I mean, they didn't. They didn't have time to like name drop the other. There would have been too many big names teams that could have possibly put in there. But you know, Fantastic Four could have been thrown in as another one. But it's like still, uh, by this point, I guess you know the Marvel movies had been had been kicked off enough that. Uh, but you would still, but the Fantastic Four movies were still not successful. Were not successful at all yet. So it's like probably not <laughs> going to try to mention that. But the Avengers were just about to get on the rise you know the, the path the mcu path was there so that's an easy that's a, a, a and they're an easy name to drop as the big guns of the marvel universe so it's like but i didn't know what that what that what that meant did you catch that any thoughts on that uh, you kind of almost get the feeling like there's a sign on the door of avengers mansion that says gone fishing <laughs> that's not that's not unfair <laughs> uh, but that, that was that jumped out at me. Um, now, well, plus, like, do the Avengers tell news networks, "Hey, you know, we're going to be out of the city for a while." Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, we know Jarvis that. Jarvis answering the phone, like, nope, nobody's home. <laughs> no, because well, that means that something had to. And that's just why that piques my imagination because something must have been going on enough for the news networks to know that the Avengers weren't around. Uh, that's that's all. It's like, have they been onslaughted and are and that and everybody thinks that they're dead? Uh, <laughs> or it's like they're out in space? Or I don't I don't know. Um, Kang has gotten them again. Who knows? It's, there, there's there's poss- It's not like it's something that could have happened, but it was an interesting is an interesting uh, choice of words. That's all. That's why it kind of got me. Is the still absent, which is uh, didn't imply a something immediately had happened it's implied that it had been a something that might have been a while now like like a, like weeks or months so it's like mm-hmm. which is like ooh, this could be trouble <laughs> just perks up my imagination i like I, which is my which is why i like this a touch but it makes me go what the what's happening <laughs> <laughs> now another that, that also is fun other name drops like they had uh our our faceless Nora Winters says, "Diana, I believe you're there with Edward Brock." It's like, oh yeah, 
<laughs> oh, yeah. I know what you did there. I don't know who Diana is. I don't know who that's supposed to be, but I know who Edward Brock is supposed to be. So mm. yeah, Venom tie in there. Um, was this around the time? This would have been still well before the Venom movie, though, right? Oh, yeah. This, yeah. this was 2012. This would have been, as far as comics goes, this would have been when Flash Thompson had the symbiote, wouldn't it? As far as Ooh, comics go. I think you're right. Now I've got to look that up. Because <laughs> I'm curious, <laughs> but yeah, that's let's see how. Yeah, that, that had to be um, close that time at least. But he had because yeah, he actually had the costume for quite a while. He had it for a good. Yeah, it overlaps with his run with the costume. Uh, yeah, that ran from 2011 to 2013, and so yeah, he would have had the costume right in the middle of this. Um, Edward Brock would not have had would have not had the costume um and i but also this could have been close to the time when he would have been anti-venom uh which is a whole thing (laughs) 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 that's just a whole thing uh but yeah so that was kind of fun that's another little name drop um and yeah it's uh but yeah it's a it's it's not a whole lot so my what does aren't really very aren't really complaints they're just things that maybe that made my fanboy dissecting of the movie of the movie start to go like huh what huh what what's that like their apartment number their apartment is number 707 i was like is i was all of a sudden going is that something so i was just trying to look it up and with all of the restarts of the numberings of amazing spider-man there's not an actual issue numbered 707 but i think the closest would have been issue number seven of the volume but it came out in like 2014 so that's too late so i don't think it was if it was a if it was it doesn't really work there to make it apply to uh an issue of amazing spider-man because that's what the next closest thing i would have thought of uh, but those hadn't come out yet but i don't know if there's anything more, more significance to the number 707 i i unless you have any ideas uh not really no yeah. it's probably just the apartment that they were able to right to make use of for a day of filming. Yeah, but it's, a, it's an interesting number. The fact that it's like, you know, that repeating seven and seven, huh, you know, no, that's, it, it makes me think there's more to it than there is, but that's just because I'm, you know, I'm looking for patterns with, with, where they don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> there's like a, pro, there's almost a product placement thing at one point where there's like a sign in one of the stores that went by in the back alley that said B Merc, the BMW Mercedes specialist. Like, what was that? What? Okay. <laughs> sure. And I don't know if you caught this on the street scene when he was walking home, um, that they would do all these little flash cuts between different perspectives of, 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 well, different, different moments of him in pain and struggling. And I can see the same elderly couple walking to his left at two points. So it was like they had, they, they just had the same footage of this one time down the street and used it twice. Uh, so which, huh. yeah. But I liked it because it, his memory was definitely like it emph- almost emphasized the fact that yes, his his memory is like out of order and mm-hmm. he's he's really feeling uh, messed up. So I caught that was that was cute. Uh, I whether it's intentional or not, I don't know, but it was still I just caught them there. It's like that's funny. Now now I really also had uh it took like the last time when I watched it when I had the volume way up um and my fi- my I had to apologize to my family for that um. When they had the big, the last uh, one-on-one fight moment where he gets stabbed and you actually like hear the, and mm-hmm. it's like when I'd seen it before, I actually had kind of missed that it was a stabbing 
as opposed to a punch into his side. Yeah, it, it's real easy to miss, but uh, you're watching real close like there's a little blood spurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, or if, if you have the volume really low, it kind of you don't quite get as much of the sound effect of the impact there. So that's something that they could have that maybe they could have worked on a little bit, maybe to make it a little bit more obvious what had happened there. Um, unless they're deliberately trying to be sneaky about it, which is, leads to when he starts staggering and has the bloody blood on his hands. It's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. Mm-hmm. yeah, then it becomes all the more like, oh, no. Oh, that's what happened to him. Oh, no, that's why he's in trouble. It's like, yeah. And like smearing blood down the hallway of his apartment. Of the, of his oh, jeez, like yeah, that was just, all I could think was, man, they're going to have to come back and clean that up before <laughs> the super sees it. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, as we said, it, it's not Mary Jane's first rodeo. So <laughs> she's like, all right, I'll get him on the I'll get him on the sofa, bandage him up, uh, get the water started for the ramen. Now go grab the bleach and walk out to the, take care of the hallway. The water will be boiling by the time I finish cleaning that. Like, she's she's got this on. She's got this on lock. She, <laughs> she, 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 knows what, she knows what she's doing. And as she said, uh, it's nothing a few days sleep in a truckload of Xanax won't cure. <laughs> <laughs> but again she says those lines and then she also looks like she's also like you really are i haven't seen you this bad in a long time and it's like you can feel like oh yeah she's she's not happy <laughs> if you don't have anything else to add i'd say we pretty much have wrapped that one up i i think so i do have to get props to the the two hand stuntmen they had they had to have mm-hmm. they must have had two and only two but they reused them for various scenes to make it seem like there was more of them. So good job on that. Yeah. But yeah, it was a fun little film. I liked it a lot. Good. Me. I'm glad Jared suggested it. Oh, Jared suggested it? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, believe it or not. Okay, I still like it. <laughs> well, Tim, thank you very much for pod crashing your way down into the basement to me for all this. Uh, let people know where else they can find you online and such. I'd be glad to. Thank you so much for having me on here. In spite of, uh, you know, me being locked down here, I guess I had nothing else better to do. Uh, but people can find me on the Right On Network, um, where I'm on the Batgirl Cassandra Kane podcast with Astrid Wright. You can find that at uh, our Twitter feed, Huntress Podcast, or the website, thehuntresspodcast.com, because the show shares a feed with the Huntress Podcast, also of the of the Right On Network, and additionally on that same feed is the Outcasters, a Batman and the Outsiders podcast, where uh, Ashford and I switch our Johnny and Ed McMahon roles, and I am the main host for that one. Uh, that's been a fun show so far. We've added a, a third to the show, Sarah Century. She's been a welcome voice on, and we've had a great time with both of those shows. So, and you can find. Uh, Outcasters on Twitter at Bat Outcasters. And you can find me on Twitter at Tim Price17. I don't know why you would want to, but that's where I am. So I noticed they haven't lowered a ladder or anything down the hole, so I guess you're stuck with me now. Well, well, actually I've been just been stalling for time while I refill my web shooters. Wait, refill your what? <laughs> Spider Tim! Away! Jeez. And of course he'd web over the hole. Wouldn't you know it? That's Spider-Tim. He's a menace! <sighs> oh, well. I guess that means it's time for that good old promo break and listener feedback that we're all anxious for. So stay tuned. The Justice League wouldn't help him, so Batman formed a new team. These people of power are all looking for something, be it their past, 
or a purpose, or simply somewhere to fit in. These are the heroes for a troubled age. They are the Outsiders. We are the Outsiders. Covering Mike W. Barr's 1983 series from the very beginning, as they face villains no other team can, like Agent Orange, the Force of July, and the Nuclear Family. <laughs> Puns. This is The Outcasters, a Batman and the Outsiders podcast. Look for us with The Huntress Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Or listen at our website, thehunterspodcast.com and follow us on Twitter at BatOutcasters. We are the Outcasters because to live outside the law, you must be honest. Hey everybody, thanks for sticking with us. Well, with me anyway, since good old Spider Tim went and left. But, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Anyway, this is the feedback portion that you all love so much, but not so much as I do. And before we dive right in, I do want to give the quick shout out to the Crusaders Club members. Thank you so much for your donations and support, folks. But once again, uh, Pat and everybody keep that list, you know, tightly guarded or, you know, nobody will give me a copy, whichever. I'm sure it has something to do with basement politics or whatever. Maybe Jared just doesn't like me. No, Jared loves me. That's why I'm here. Anyway, last episode, if you'll recall, was Sherlock Holmes and the Adventure of the Furtive Festivity with my guest Sean Ross. And it got likes, shares, retweets, all that fun stuff on the social medias from Rick Heineken, Gene Hendricks, Chris Stados, Secret Wars and Beyond. Hey, that's Sean himself. GLHG. Warlock Thanos Podcast, The Hammer Strikes, V Woodman 45, Chris Lydon, John is Watching Cartoons, Hal Jordan, Jason Albrick, Chris at BTO and Batbooks, Warlord Worlds, Xenozoic Xenophiles, Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout, and Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. I suspect a couple of those were also Rick Heineken in there. You know, since he Kind of gets around. Anyway, we got a little bit of feedback. John is watching cartoons, which is our good friend Jonathan Schaefer-Hames. He said, I have no idea what this is, but I could listen to you two talk about probably anything. And Sean chimed in before I got a chance, and he said, it is a delightful fan film, and I can't recommend it highly enough. Neither can I, Sean, because dang, that thing's good, isn't it? Green Lantern HG said, This was a great episode with two of my favorite people. Great job, guys. Now, I'm a pin the poisonous tail on the... On the who, HG? On me? <sighs> oh. And, of course, Sean also got chiming in on that one and said that he loves to talk to me and secretly poison me. Guys! Guys! There's enough me to poison for everybody, okay? <sighs> oh, yeah. And one last little note, our good friend Gene Hendricks uh, kind of elaborated on uh, Sean and I's question about why, if the dog's name is Tony, why he's credited as the character Toby. Um, apparently, 
there is a canonical dog in Sherlock Holmes fiction named Toby. Yeah, Sean and I dropped the research ball on that one. So, thanks, Gene! Anyway, that about does it for our feedback section. I appreciate all of you liking, sharing, retweeting. But most of all, I appreciate you listening and sticking with me. So, until next time, unless somebody finds a way to get me out of this basement, I'll be down here and you can join me for another Fan Film Friday. Today you can take your telephone, your, your, your cell phone, and you can make a movie on that. And if it's a really cool movie that's funny and it's dramatic or whatever, you can post it on YouTube. If you want to make films and you want to tell stories, you can do it. But if you're obsessed with film and you love to tell stories and you love working in that medium, uh, then uh, that will give you the strength to be persistent to make it.